Hey there, industrial marketer. Welcome to the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, the show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We are your hosts, Brendan Forrest and Mary Keogh. Like you, we both cut our teeth in-house in manufacturing companies. Our aim here is to help empower you to get a seat at the table and move the needle forward on your goals. So Mary, today, I'd like to talk to you about content frameworks and, you know, moving from, um, you know, starting from strategy, you know, figuring out what your goals are and then moving into getting ready for campaigns. So when we're talking about content, where do we need to get started? Like, how do we start thinking about our content strategy? Yeah, so I think a big one here, and we talk about this all the time at Gorilla, and it's something that I think in-house marketers really struggle with is just focus. So where do you want to be focused on this year with this piece of content or with your content plan in general? Um, So I think it's really common to just like chase the shiny object. So, hey, right now my product engineering team, they just came to me with a new product idea and they have this brochure and I've got to go create it. And like, but you know, there's five other things that you were just doing that you dropped Mm -hmm. the ball on just to create this piece of content. So I think making sure you're focusing is a really important thing. And during this episode, when we talked about it on Industrial Marketing Live, I'm really curious to get your experience in-house because mine was a little bit different, I know. And we said that start where you should start is aligning with business objectives. Now I can say my in-house marketing experience was very different from Brendan's. I, my marketing team was not aligned necessarily with business objectives. So focus was a little more difficult for me, but I'd like to hear like your take on that, Brendan. Yeah. So I think we had a pretty good common currency with our goals being set at looking at revenue, right? Everything I did was trying to focus on revenue. The issue that I ran into is I didn't know how to a show the impact of marketing, but like I, I was, I had, we, we use Salesforce, but I had a really difficult time, like creating campaign and like showing like, how is marketing moving the needle forward here? Like I could see all the leads I generated, um, but we had a really difficult time on how much revenue do we actually create with this marketing campaign? And there were some, you know, business difficulties because we work primarily with distributorships and I'd lose data after we'd send a lead over to distributors. And so I would like, I could never really see that. So I was really focused in, I wanted revenue, but I knew revenue came from leads I generated. So my whole aim was let's just create new leads and get new business. Um, but then I had a really hard time figuring out how do I get new leads with content? So I was very scattered shot without really having a good plan in place. So I think I had the I had the focus, like I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't know how I needed to get there with my marketing plan. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, I had a similar experience where I just, I didn't know where to start. Yeah. And luckily I had a couple people I followed on LinkedIn and one of the, and you know, um, SEO was just kind of like this like background word at my company. Like no one was really invested in any marketing tactics specifically, unless it was, um, trade shows, but, um, One of the things I read was like, you shouldn't have PDFs on your website. So most of your content should be in HTML form. And we had, we were lucky enough to have this really vast case study and resource library. So we had a lot of brochures, a lot of white papers, a lot of case studies, and they were all like actually pretty decent because Mm -hmm. these engineers are writing them or we got, you know, professional writers to help us out. Um, but they were all in PDFs. Like I'm talking hundreds of PDF documents yeah. just kind of sitting on the website. 
so, not getting crawled by anybody really. And it's like, as a user, that's hard to like, oh, I don't want to necessarily open that thing. I don't know what's in it. And, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, or even like, I mean, I'm wary of clicking on a PDF link now because I'm afraid it's going to be gated and then they're going to grab all my information right. from some weird API that's hooked up right. to Zoom info or something, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So my that was one of my goals. One of my goals was transfer our PDFs to HTML. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a low-hanging fruit that you can do as an industrial marketer. It's still focused. It's yeah. still related to business objectives. And you can, at the very least, start tra- tracking website yeah. traffic, right? Yeah. So I think it, it is a good point. When we, we, when we, ever we talk about strategy, to me, um, you know, strategy kind of starts with figuring out where am I currently at? Like, what do I currently have in possession? Um, and what resources do I have available? And then what my end goal is, right? So if your mm-hmm. common currency is revenue, that's awesome. If it's, you know, you know, you said like, I want a lead goal this year, whatever, like your actual end goal is, let's set that out there as your end state, then figure out what do you have available to you, right? So most of us at in-house manufacturing companies have one to maybe three people on a marketing team to help with this, right? So a very small amount of time, right? So now you're looking at your time available 40 hours a week by, you know, times by however many marketers you have in your staff, right? So let's say uh, 80 to 120, right? Um, and then not all that time can be dedicated to creating content. So now we have to like, how much time are you going to have available for content? So figure out that, figure out, do I have SMEs in my company that I can rely on to help me create this content? Um, you know, so I have actual good um, details that my audience wants to read or uh, engage with. And then do you have the budget to bring in professional creative help, right? So if we're talking about content, we're talking about writers, we're talking about videographers, we're talking about maybe animators or audio help, right? So do you have the budget to bring in outside third-party help? Or are you going to do all this bootstrap by yourself, right? So now like, do you have the resources? Like, do you have an Adobe suite? Do you have training in how to use Adobe or any, you know, any other free tools that are out there? So make sure you figure out like what your current state is, figure out what your end state is. And now we can start talking about the strategy to get to that end state with the resources that you have available to you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So like, let's say you have the focus, you have the business objective, you know, everything you just said, you've answered yes to all these questions. I have the resources. I have what I need. Like, just what do I need to get started? Right. So um, during this um, industrial marketing live episode, I think we talked about a really nice, easy to follow process. That's fairly basic. So we presented research Mm -hmm. plan, Mm -hmm. create, distribute, measure impact. So I think that's all great. And um, I am recently gone to the team of starting with the end in mind. So I think that you should be starting with measuring impact so that you can prove your value to your leader. Um, So starting with measuring impact, I think that we've already talked about that. So just make up your common currency. Maybe it's website traffic, maybe it's leads, maybe you're lucky enough to have like quoted opportunities or revenue tied to you. You need to know the baseline, right? So you know, like when I, when I do this campaign, when I create this blog and I distribute it on LinkedIn or it's an SEO play, um, if this is the only thing that like, now you can look and see like, okay, so now I launched this thing and you know, we increased traffic this much. Now, you know, like what that traffic increase was before you like without having a baseline, who, who knows what your thing did. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So let's say, so we got measure impact. We started with the end in mind. Um, Talk to us about research. What's the first thing you're doing when you're researching, Brendan? Yeah. So I think the thing that I struggled with was 
what I know I need to create content. What kind of content do I need to create? And I think the best place to find that information is your customers, right? Like we're creating content for customers because they're the ones that are going to eventually end up purchasing and, you know, actually getting us to our common currency. This gets really difficult though, because in an industrial company, like with mine, my customer was my distributor. That's who bought my products. Right. But that wasn't who was going to buy the products from distributors. Right. So I needed to move product off of my distributor shelves into end users hands. So I had to make the decision to create content for my end users and not necessarily for my customers who were the distributors. So that also presents challenges trying to feel like, cause I didn't necessarily know who my end users were because I had the distributor wall in front of me that I couldn't necessarily see over very well. So that made a challenge, but at all possible, whoever is the person that's going to be using your thing and will be purchasing the thing, uh, try to talk to them. So I think there's a couple of different things that you can do. So first off, like, if they're in your CRM, just try to talk to them, like reach out to them in an email, a phone call, try to set up, you know, a 20 minute call with them just to talk to them, figure out. And I think, you know, just basic, figure out what their, pro- what problems are they currently having? Um, you know, what solutions are they currently using and what results are they desiring? Um, like trying to figure out those three things. I think th- having those three pieces of information from them is a good place to start on creating content. I would also ask like, how do you consume media or content today? Like, do you prefer reading it? Do you prefer listening to it, watching it? Um, and then you know, where are you hanging out? Like, are, do you spend time on LinkedIn? Are you a Facebook person? Are you only on Reddit? Do you only use YouTube or is everything on Google search or do you use trade journals, right? Like, do I have to be distributing in a trade journal? I hope to God not, but that might be the case for some of us. So I think talking to the end users is the best place, but Mary, I think we both know getting in front of end users is difficult sometimes. So where are some other places that we can get insights from? Yeah. So I have done, ins- I've had a lot of success on doing LinkedIn cold insights. So if you are building research from a cold audience, I got a LinkedIn sales navigator license. If you are having trouble expensing that out, then I think the first 30 days are free mm-hmm. or you can kind of finagle it with the uh, LinkedIn rep. If you're just like, yeah, you know, my boss isn't really bought in. How about um, 60 days? So yeah. there's ways around that. So then what you're going to do in Sales Navigator is filter by industry and job title. Mm-hmm. And it's going to give you this gigantic list of all these people in that industry with that specific job title that you can reach out to using InMail, which is LinkedIn Sales Navigator's mailing mm-hmm. system. So I think you get like 30 or 40 credits. I don't remember the exact amount and it's probably changed since I've used and it. I was For all the new workers out here, you know, yeah. make sure you're not talking to like, it's probably not procurement, right? They might be the one on the PO, yeah. but make sure you talk to your sales team, like figure out like who's actually going to be using this thing. Or like, you know, typically what we'll see is like, it's either like a person in operations, a person in maintenance or a person in engineering. Those are usually like for industrial B2B, those are the three job functions that I have seen most likely to be uh, the purchasers and the users of a product. Uh, so just make sure like you're targeting the right job titles for your insights. Yeah, agree with that wholeheartedly. My The job titles I was most frequently going after were probably process engineers or yeah. project engineers yeah. almost always. Um, so yeah, great point. Then what you're going to do is reach out just like Brendan said, hey, I'm a new marketer. This is a completely new industry for me. Would you please just share your experiences with me? Here's the three things I'm looking for. Job experience, you know, how the industry has changed, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, make up whatever you need to know. And then 
Very important. End it with, this is not a sales pitch and I will not take more than 15 minutes of your time. Both of those are super key Mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised. Most people get talking longer than 15 minutes and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I actually have more time than I said I did to talk to you. So that's a big one that I, that's by far the place that I've found the most success with. Um, but I don't want to overvalue that success. So I sent probably a hundred in mail, um, requests and messages and heard back from maybe 10 people. So it's only okay. like a 10% response rate, but that those, that's still, I think that's enough to get you going. Yeah. Yeah. And the nice thing about that, Mary cold. is like, those are cold people, right? So they don't have like, there's no bias that, Oh yeah, I know who your company is right. If you talk to a current customer, like there's sometimes you can get bias from them. Right. So like, it's kind of nice to talk to people that have no idea who you are and like, yeah, these are the problems that this person's having and they don't have a solution for these problems. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So we've talked about research. Now you've got your research done. There, talking... I think, you know, with research, yeah, um, you know, if you can't, if the, either of those two things, talking to your current customers or talking to, uh, you know, doing like what Mary said with her cold uh, insight strategy, you're going to have to talk to your sales team or your distributors um, or like do active listening within groups. Those are not the, uh, the best things because you can't ask the questions. And I think there's a lot of bias that comes when you're talking with sales. So, you know, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do, but try to be the one that's asking the questions and being a part of that conversation instead of totally relying on your sales team. I agree. I actually got some pretty decent insights from our live chat feature, but we had a true live chat. So it was not a chat bot. It was not automated. It was like, you were actually talking to an inside sales rep. Okay. Um, okay, cool. So now we got to create a plan. What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. So I think first off, you know, everything that we're thinking about our end goal in mind. And I think at this point, I'm also trying to think about, you know, what types of campaigns am I trying to run in the future? Right. So I'm trying to think about that because I know that I need the campaigns to, you know, get me to my goal. And now after that, I need to think about, okay, so what, how much content do I need to fit within these campaigns? And that's kind of how we look at it at Gorilla right now, right? If we're trying to run a, a campaign for six months, you know, how many pieces of things do I need to make that campaign? Like, I need fuel for this campaign, right? My campaign's my car, but my content is my fuel, right? So I'm probably, you know, yeah, we have a we have a neat little like content planning tool that we could probably share. Um, you know, reach out to me and Mary, and we can get that to you via DM on LinkedIn. Um, you know, but I think. We're looking at from those insights, you know, here are some topics that we think might be a good fit, right? And I'm looking at, is this topic going to be better said from an SME with my company, right? So we're looking at like an expert article piece, or is this going to be better said from one of my customers? And I can do maybe do a case study. Um, And then I think there's multiple different ways, you know, with formats to use, but I'm trying to figure out like, am I using a internal resource or am I finding an external resource to help me with this piece? So I have like, what content topics do I have? And then am I, you know, looking at an in-house expert or a customer to help me answer this? What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Both of those. Um, I think getting outside help is really valuable. If you find out your customers really like blog articles or written text that they like Mm -hmm. to consume in their own time at their own speed, or even audio to a certain extent and you don't feel confident in that medium, then finding some outside help can be a lot easier than you think. Maybe even as simple as interviewing a subject matter expert, 
using an AI transcription tool like rev.com, mm-hmm. creating an outline, and then just sending that out via Upwork. Hey, can you take this sure. outline and this transcription and just create a blog article for me? I mean, that yep. could be as cheap as a few hundred dollars. Right. Right. Yeah. So what types of like, so we talked about like, you know, creating an expert piece internally or, you know, like a case study piece with a customer. What are your like go-to mediums, right? If we're talking about like writing or video, like what do you have seen has worked in the past and like, what things are you excited about? Um, What I've, what's my tried and true is for sure, long form blog content and Mm -hmm. case studies. I would consider case study, like a long form piece of written text content too. I've also seen written. And when we say long form, I, I don't think we're taking like a 10,000 page or word article. Yeah, right? that's true. Right. Like it's, it's not that long form. It's, you know, yeah. readable within a couple of minutes, you know, so yeah. probably like one to 3000 words. Yes. Yeah. I think one to 3000 words is a really, really nice place to be actually. Um, then, so that's my tried and true on LinkedIn for distribution and email for newsletters, like text posts are just the easiest consumed, especially in the industrial and manufacturing B2B yep. sphere. Um, what I'm most excited about though, video by far, yeah. if you are not doing video yet, start. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, I hundred percent agree. You know, written, I think is important and it, it has its place, but yeah, I think video is extremely important, especially in our industry, you know, we make things, right? So we all have like cool products that do cool things. And I think that makes for interesting content. Um, you know, like look at TikTok. Like there's a lot of guys that have like, this is me painting a wall. Like, and I'll sit there and watch it. <laughs> and like, they get mil- millions of views on that. And it, cause it's like, it's interesting. And I could just see like a lot of, like a lot of applications in industrial that would play well on that platform. But yeah. even just, uh, you know, having a YouTube video, like when I was at Graco, we were doing a lot of like demo videos. So I would just uh, shoot a vertical video on my iPhone, 30 seconds long. And it's just, Hey, this pump pumping this thing. Right. So if you have peanut butter, I have a pump that can pump it. Or if you have, you know, waste oil, I have a pump that can pump it. And here's a pump pumping it. <laughs> How many times? Nice. Can we pump? Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think video is extremely important and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And you could do it for like, you don't have to have some crazy, uh, production value, like iPhone, like, you know, even like, using TikTok to film your thing and then editing a TikTok and then just saving it as an MP4, do it. Like it's so yeah. easy to edit on there. Um, oh my but, gosh. You know, what's so funny. I just thought of Brendan. What's that? I did so many videos in house too on my own and we have spray nozzles and what do you need to spray everything? A pump. We should have totally done a mashup. When oh, we, we should have totally. Yeah. We should have met each other before we came to gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. Video is great. And I think there's multiple different formats, right? So it's, you know, uh, doing a, a video demo of a product. I think that's huge because a lot of us can't, our sales team can't bring the products to the field because they are too heavy, right? So having a video demo is super important for sales enablement, but I think it's also important as like part of your product page, right? How great is that to just show, like put a video of your, your product doing what it does on your product page. So people can like your, your high intent customers can see, oh, that's really cool. And it's doing exactly what it needed to do. So like product demo videos, I think uh, expert explainer videos where you have like your engineering team or, you know, maybe a product manager talking about a product and the problems that those products solve. And then like, like what me and Mary do right now, uh, like we have, this is going to be an audio podcast, but we're going to pull video from this and use this as part of our content strategy for gorilla. Right. And when I, when I was at Graco, I was doing video podcasts, uh, to talk about, you know, thought leadership type things around, uh, fluid transfer and Mary, you're doing the same thing at spray, right? Like yep. you were doing, uh, like you were kind of doing webinar style, but you're using that as video content. 
Yep. Yep. I would chop it up too afterwards and just take out the most significant parts and put it back out on YouTube. All right, Mary, what do you think about um, creating a lot of pieces or creating really good pieces? For sure. Creating really good pieces. Mm -hmm. I think you should create, if you only next year or for the rest of this year, created one or two really high quality pieces that can turn into so many more. It can turn into social media posts, Mm -hmm. shorter video clips. You can distribute that in so many different ways, email newsletter, blah, blah, blah. So yes, for sure. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Do you think a person should be looking at creating a, you know, a long range content calendar, you know, look at, you know, start in January one and December 31st and have, you know, plan out content for the year, or should it be a shorter timeframe like by quarter? Hells no on pre-planning content. Every time I did that, it failed miserably. Like right Um, away. Right. (laughs) It was the worst. Yes. And you'd put so much effort into it. Oh, do not do that to yourself. Uh, Plan it out for like a month at the most. Yeah. I I agree. And like, I also think like, like national donut day or, you know, it's international hamburger day. Like, no, just skip it. You know that. Yeah. Like if we're talking like, (laughs) like, you know, like I would say like long range, like for the year, I would say like, yeah, I want to make two long form blog articles, one case study and maybe, a, you know, a video thing, I, but I want to give topics to them yet. Like I would let like, you know, a year is a lot of time in, in the business world. And so I wouldn't necessarily put, like, I would say like, yeah, I want to try and create this amount of things this year, but maybe not put topics to them yet because things might yes. change. So I don't want to like yes. put myself into it, like pigeonhole myself into doing something. Um, but yeah, I think quarter by quarter is definitely doable. Um, Mary, I think one thing that has helped me like content creating here at Gorilla is having a pillar piece of content that we always come back to. And, you know, the folks over at Refine Labs with, you know, they were doing this with State of Demand Gen podcast too. Um, But having a, you know, a recurring content thing on your calendar is so important to making this thing work and creating a, an engine for content for use in, um, you know, organic social, paid social, paid search, um, you know, all the like trade shows, uh, working with journals. Um, like we do industrial marketing live every two weeks and we get an hour long video out of all, like every single one of those. And I think that fuels our social media for, uh, at least that, that biweekly timeframe, right? Um, uh, like it gives for us a lot sure. to talk about going into it and we get stuff to talk about coming out of it. It generates questions from the audience that we can answer. Um, you know, and those are like, our industrial marketing live audience is the people that are on this podcast too, right? Industrial marketers. And so we want to create content just for them. And if they're asking those questions, that means it's good content to create because somebody else has, has also asking that question. Um, and when I was at Greg, it was the same thing. It was like, nice to have like on the calendar, I create this video podcast and we have content coming in, you know, go, like I work into it and I have a lot of content coming out of it. I get one long form piece. I can cut that thing up into like six or seven video pieces. Now I, you know, I probably have one long form article that I can post on the website as a blog. Uh, I probably got six or seven like written social media pieces. Um, so I think creating that one piece that you're like, and you always create, it's always on the calendar and maybe it's once a month, right? If you're a small marketing team, you're probably not going to be able to do it every single week. You don't have the right. team to do it. Uh, and you have a lot of other things that are happening. So, but this kind of plays into that 80%, 20% time that we've talked about in the past, you know, on, on previous episodes, you know, I, I would say like this, like creating content and having like a pillar piece of content as part of that 80% time for your demand gen program. So nice. make sure it's on your calendar and that you do it. Um, what do you think about all that, Mary? 
Yep. Couldn't agree more. Ours was the webinar. We only did it once a month. It was just me doing all the content. You know, I made it super easy for the SMEs to just show up and talk. So yes, I agree with that. All right. Are you ready for our lightning round? We have covered research, plan, create, distribute, measure impact. That is your framework for creating content. Now we're going to shoot out some questions that were asked during the IML and Brendan and I will answer them as quickly as we possibly can. (laughs) All right. So do you think messaging needs to be consistent across the different social channels? Ooh. I think like the spirit of the message needs to be the same, but I think each, you know, if you're talking about like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, yeah, I think you're going to have a little bit different messaging. Like, like you just have different constraints, right? With a LinkedIn post, you, you can write a lot. In Twitter, you can't write that much, right? And like, then there's like ways to like break up a Twitter thread. Like, so I think the message needs to be similar, but you're like the way that you say it needs to be different. Oh, that's perfect. I couldn't agree more. Same with like, if you're going to YouTube, like you're putting a text yeah. post into video. Yep. Messaging should be consistent, but the way you put it out there can be different. Right. And I Love think that, that messaging piece is like part of like, you know, we, I think we talked about in our demand gen um, episode, but yeah, that baseline messaging, you know, do a positioning workshop, um, figure out like what your brand message, what your brand tone is. Like, these are the things that we talk about um, and just have that just like flood everything that you say and just say it differently for each different medium. Heck Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on paid backlink opportunities worthwhile or a waste of time? Um, so I'm not super, uh, in depth on the SEO with backlink stuff. Um, I think Mm -hmm. if you're going to run a a really in-depth SEO program, backlinks are extremely important, uh, especially if you're using keywords that have a lot of volume and a lot of difficulty. Like, so the backlinks, I think are like, you know, if all things are being equal, whatever piece of content has more backlinks, Google is going to say that's more authoritative and put that up to the top. Otherwise, like if you're, if SEO is not a main strategy and it was not for me when I was in house, SEO is not that big of a consideration for me. Um, I would probably not work on doing paid backlinks. Yeah. Our motto at Gorilla is always right for the human, not the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And if you are paying for backlinks, you're automatically inherently writing for the algorithm. So I agree with you. I think for the most part, it's a waste of time and you should be hitting on some better low hanging fruit, like maybe refocusing your content, repurposing it, going after different keywords. I think there's a lot more strategies. And, and we utilize. all we have a limited budget, right? So if, yeah, exactly. if doing any sort of paid campaigns is part of your strategy, like I think you have to pick one or the other. Like if you're going to do mm-hmm. a paid LinkedIn or Facebook or Google strategy, you probably don't have the budget to go and do a backlink strategy. If you're also like, you know, having to like print out brochures and do trade shows, right? Like you can only do so many things. And so, yeah, if you're not going to do any paid strategy, maybe backlinks is the thing, but your SEO, like your articles have to already be super good, right? So um, I think that's like the cherry on top of your SEO work. Um, Definitely not the first thing you think of. Yeah, love that. Um, are there any free keyword research tools that you use to find medium to low keyword volume? Do you need to pay for something like SEMrush to get that? Um, I know that we pay for SEMrush and it's amazing. Uh, it's very yeah. helpful. Um, but yeah, there are definitely free tools out there. And I think a lot of like 
I think the SEMrushes and the Mazas and the AREFs of the world have free trials that you can do. Uh, so you can jump in there maybe you know for 30 days. You know, maybe after you do your 30-day trial with Sales Navigator, you jump over to doing keyword research. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I think there's a couple other ones like Neil Patel's uh Uber suggest. Um, what's that? Oh, we ask the public, I think is another yeah, one. That ask you can the use. public. That's a really good um, one. But then like just your Google search console. Um, yep. and then, you know, if you're running uh, paid Google, like looking at your, uh, your search terms, like what are people searching in there? Um, I think that could be an interesting way to find it. If you're, you know, if you have that data, um, I think there's, there's a couple keyword, other ones. Keyword planner in yeah, Google ads planner. is really yep. good too. Yeah. All right. Um, you think it's worth it to pay for a keyword tool? And when, like, gonna, when do you think you're going to, when do you think you should pay for it? Oh, that's a really good question. I think you should pay for a keyword tool if you are going to move into PPC. So mm -hmm. Google ads, and you really want to focus on those high intent search terms. And then if you are going to really choose SEO as your focus for strategy in 2022, 2023. Yep. Nice. All right. Let's take the conversation back to talking to customers. This is how the person phrased it. Um, what do you do if there's a question about confidentiality? Mm, yeah, I think we run into that a lot, right? So first, um, you know, I think you have to be comfortable like using an NDA. Uh, you know, I think that little that security blanket is uh, if a person is very into confidentiality, having that security blanket that yeah, I, I, I'm legally bound to not say anything uh, is if it gets them more comfortable and allows you to um, have a conversation with them. Um, I would say do that. I would make sure like the the terms are in there that you know what pieces you can and cannot use uh, for your strategy. Like if you want to pull quotes or anything, try not to go down that route because that gets just really getting legal stuff is not my favorite thing. So, um, you know, you can always say, you know, this is anonymous, you know, um, you know, automotive tier three part manufacturer, like instead of saying the company name, um, it's not ideal, um, but it is what it is. And especially if you're looking at like an expert article or insights, it, you know, if you're just trying to get insights, like, yeah, you, you can be confidential all you want because you're just trying to learn and to figure out what you need to talk about. Um, I think the confidentiality piece is more difficult once you start getting into, I want to write a case study, right? And then, you know, if, if you send an NDA and do a case study, well, then you can't publish it. So, yeah, totally. I think the case study is a more difficult one. We ran into that a lot at Spraying Systems and we ended up just anonymizing everything. So, uh, you know, America's second largest bakery and you fill in the blank on the rest. Yeah. <laughs> to make it very specific based out of plant cancer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you guys for listening to the manufacturing marketer. Brendan, let's hit them with some show notes. What can they yeah. find in there? So I think first off, we'll drop in the description in the little doobly-doo. Uh, we'll have a link to the IML episode where we talk about this framework. Uh, it goes a little more in depth. So make sure you check that episode out. Um, otherwise, we'd love to see you at our live events that happen uh, the first Tuesday and the last Thursday of every single month for the rest of 2022. Um, not sure what the schedule is going to look like for 23 yet, but we'll hit you with that as soon as we can. But make sure you go to industrialmarketinglive.com and uh, register uh, to join us there. Uh, that uh, event bumping, uh, we get about 50 industrial marketers just like you in that event uh, every uh, every single time we run that. And we usually have a guest on with us uh, to talk about all the topics that are happening out in the industrial marketing space. And then Mary, let's talk about our little Slack group that's been happening. Yeah, please join our Slack group, DM Brendan or I on LinkedIn, and we'll get you added. We've got, geez, like 70 industrial marketers in our yeah. Slack channel now. 
we just discuss anything and everything. I think today someone said, hey, I need some SEO help for a very specific type of industrial company. And then they just start the conversation and we get people responding, sharing their experiences, sharing tools. It's fantastic. Sharing work. uh, You know, if you want like another industrial marketer to critique it before you show the boss. Yeah, we're in there. Uh, We'd love to help you out with that. And I think, you know, me and Mary are posting stuff that we're learning and figuring out. So yeah, join us there. Make sure you DM DM us uh, to get to both IML and to the Slack channel. Um, Otherwise, I think we will catch you next time. Peace.